0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is episode 80 of the podcast. I am so excited to be talking with Thais Gimareus today. She is incredible. She's a woman's leadership coach, yoga and meditation teacher, speaker and leader. She supports soulpreneurs create a spiritually badass life and biz by giving them tools to optimize their lifestyles, stand in their power and make a big impact and money and be seen as a leader in their industry. Her mission is to evoke a change in consciousness in order for every woman to feel empowered to be the change they wish to see in the world and be a catalyst for greatness. Thais is amazing. I mean, I say this about so many guests, but it's true. I have amazing guests on this show and I'm not gonna deny that this girl, this chick, is awesome. I love her. I love the way she speaks. She's so clear about everything she's trying to get across and I know you're going to love this episode. Before we head on over, I've got uh, three things to say. First of all, MaddieMoon.com/YouTube. YouTube. That is now where you can go to watch my YouTube videos. Um, start a playlist for them watch them share them hopefully you enjoy them I'm pretty passionate in these videos and I'm really excited to get started on creating more of these because they're fun it's just a new fun channel that I'm exploring I'm not trying to be the best YouTube star I'm not trying to get the most views I'm really just trying to have a new outlet to express my message on and that's exactly what's happening for me and I'm loving it Secondly, thank you to Jacqueline for becoming a, pa- a patron of the show. Um, I was doing shout-outs for everyone who's donated to the show, and she did that. So thank you so much for becoming a patron of the Mind, Body, Musings podcast and donating uh, to keep the show running. Because surprise, guys, this show does cost money to run. It is not free. And I don't really make much off of it. I just really want to share my message with you all. So if you love this show and you enjoy it listening listening to the episodes with your family members is one great way to share the message also shooting it over to a friend uh leaving a review on itunes and then becoming a patron of the show which you can do at maddiemoon.com pledge Let's do the review of the week. This one comes from Real Food with Dana. She says, fan-freaking-tastic podcast with five stars. Madeline hosts an amazing podcast and touches on many subjects from cultivating a positive body image to the fitness and nutrition world and is extremely honest about it. I love listening to the guests and when Maddie does her heartfelt monologues on body image, she can't get enough. Thank you so much, Real Food with Dana. You're so sweet and I appreciate that. Um, and um, I guess this is the fourth thing, but lastly, I'm just randomly deciding I want to share this, but I wanted to share with you friendly folks that if you're doing anything right now that you're not enjoying, just don't do it. I just feel called to say that if you're doing something day in, day out, and I'm not saying like quit your job today or stop feeding the dogs or don't brush your teeth anymore. I mean, things that you're doing out of, you know, ritualistic behaviors. Like, you feel like you need to say yes to everything because you have that fear of missing out on something. Or if you're an entrepreneur, you feel like you need to be uh, on every single call with every person because you're afraid that you'll miss the chance to to spread your message, or you'll miss the chance to be a new networking person, or or whatever it may be. Or maybe you were just hanging out with someone that you really know isn't healthy for you because they're triggering you or you're reading a book that you really hate and you want to stop reading it, but you have that control factor factoring in where you feel like you need to control everything and you have to complete the book or you didn't read it. It's okay to let that go and to just put the book down. It's okay to stop liking what you used to like. It's okay to move forward in life. Uh, On my Facebook page, I provided these two little graphics, one a desktop and one for iPhone that says, does this bring me joy? And for me, this is a reminder. I put this on both my phone and my desktop so that I can remember that if I'm doing something that's not bringing me joy, it's a waste of my precious time. I don't need to be doing anything that I don't enjoy. And when I say this, I really mean a lot of the, the, the nitty gritty entrepreneurial details that I partake in that I don't really enjoy. Like sometimes I find myself on social media too much trying to share graphics or, or market you know or, or do this or that and it just gives me a headache and I don't want to be doing it all day so I'm reminding myself that it doesn't really make a big difference if I do it or don't do it I don't really need to do it if I don't enjoy it so from now on everything that I'm partaking in that I it's not necessarily like work related or um, those those things that we need to do to provide for our family or provide for ourselves Um, but to some extent that does count too. If you really hate your job, explore other ideas, explore the things that you can be doing for yourself that can bring more joy. If this doesn't bring you joy, do something about it. Don't leave yourself high and dry, but make a plan and see it through. And this goes for all areas of life. You don't need to be a millionaire to finally live the life that you love. You don't need to have, um, that perfect body to finally dance and to eat food you enjoy, you can do all those things now. You just have to make that conscious choice. And I guess that's just something that I wanted to share this morning before we head on over to the show. I hope you got something from it. If you want that iPhone background or that desktop uh, wallpaper, then you can find it on my Maddie Moon page on Facebook. You can find it just by searching M-A-D-D-Y Maddie Moon. And I think that's enough for announcements. Let's go head on over to this show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I am here with Thais and I am so excited to start talking to her about all of the amazing work that she's doing in the world today. As you heard from the intro, uh, she's got so much going for her and and I feel like our, I don't know, our jobs kind of align or like our missions, I should say, not jobs because they don't feel like jobs, but our missions align in a lot of different ways. But uh, she has so much to her background that I'm just really excited to dive into. So welcome to the
1: show. Thank you for having me.
0: This is such a treat and I'm just stoked to have you on. And as I was telling you before we hopped on here, I really love your your website. And if anyone is listening to this, you have to check out her website because it has such a just amazing vibe. And it's it's kind of the vibe that it just makes me want to like keep looking at your website all day long. So I'm like, <laughs> this is so beautiful. I'm so glad you think so. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So Let's go ahead and dive in, because a lot of your background is very much unknown to me, to be honest. So I'm excited to talk about your relationship with food and see what we uh, can talk about there. But I also want to hear everything about how you got to where you are today with
1: with what you do in your practice. Sure. Oh, my gosh. This is my favorite story to tell my own. Right. (laughs) Um, Of course. So. Uh, You know, it all started for me in college. I went to Boston University. So I was growing up in Maryland, I went to Boston. And that was quite a journey for me in leaving home for the first time in my life. And I was an independent young lady and I wanted to move as far away from home as possible. Uh, But when I got to college, there was a, a whole level of understanding about what it's like to live alone that I had no idea about. And so the second semester of school, I started to exhibit this very odd behavior where I would go into the dining hall, I would grab handfuls and handfuls of cookies, and I would walk to class and eat them because I didn't want people to see how many cookies I was eating. I would lie to the woman that is sitting up, you know, making sure that you're you're scanned in your card, right, and I would lie saying that I forgot something in the dining hall so that I could go back after dinner and grab like a whole slice of pizza and eat it alone. and this started to get worse and worse and worse. I was obsessing over food and stuffing food in my mouth without being able to control it and having no idea what was happening. I never, it's not like I grew up having body issues. It's not like I grew up, you know, overweight and having, I I had a normal um, body weight. I had a normal childhood. There was nothing to really trigger me around food. So this was very odd for me and it, it, pushed me into this tailspin of uh, who, who am I and what is my deal? What is my problem? I started really believing that there was something really fundamentally wrong with me. And I started to really believe that I was alone and that it was a mean, evil world out there and I had to protect myself. And so I... You know, shut down in many ways. I, I shut down my vulnerability. I shut down my ability to connect with people in a vulnerable way. And I was really a walking shell. You know, I was doing well in school. There was nothing that anyone would say, Oh, Thais is breaking down. It was, it seemed normal to everybody else, but inside I was really dying. And it, the big catalystic moment happened my senior year where I had gone up to Boston a couple weeks before school started. I was in my friend's apartment. It was a really, really hot night in in Boston, and she didn't have AC. And I was crying in my bed, feeling so alone, feeling so excluded from life. Like Everybody knew the secret that I didn't know. And all I could think about was wanting to eat the block of cheese that was sitting in my fridge and then crying because I didn't want to eat the block of cheese that was sitting in the fridge. So I was just overwhelmed with such hard emotions. I mean, we we don't have schooling on how to deal with these feelings. We don't have really any sort of conversation, at least not at that point in my life, about, hey, this is what's happening. So I really felt like there was something truly devastating wrong with me. And... In that moment, I just gave up, Maddie. I gave up this idea that I knew what to do and I put my hands together. And I prayed to God, and I, I never prayed to God. I didn't even believe in God. But I didn't know what else to do. I had hit bottom. I had hit my knees to the floor, and I needed something. So I put my hands together, and I prayed. And I said, God, I don't know you, and I don't know if you know me, but I need help, God. I really, really need help. I don't know what to do. And I got an answer. I got an answer right away. And it, it was this voice in my head that said, Thais, you know, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And, you know, looking back now, I'm like, really, what's up? of answer was that? But in that moment, it was exactly what I needed to hear to know that there was something else supporting me and to know that maybe I wasn't so alone, that there was something else out there that was loving me and guiding me and that maybe I wasn't so wrong. I wasn't so bad. And that was the journey, that was the moment that the journey started for me, this attempt of self-love, an attempt to co-create with um, something, some external force outside of myself. And a year and a half later, I decided to go to IIN and support women with uh, emotional eating. I had learned so many tools in that year and a half. I started to do yoga and started to feel into my body and started to do um, spiritual practices and start to understand how to give myself space to feel what I'm feeling. And I wanted to support other women through that. Um, But as we were talking about before the podcast, a couple months into IIN, a couple months into coaching women and practicing and seeing what that was like, I realized I didn't really care to be a health coach in the traditional sense. I didn't care to talk to women about food because I knew that deep down, my healing did not happen around food. It happened when I gave myself space and when I connected to my purpose and my vision and my vitality. And that had nothing to do with food. Food was just a repercussion of our anxiety around our lives and around our independence and our, um, around our sense of worth. Oh my so, gosh, yeah. yeah Keep going. So, I <laughs> oh, like, whoa. So um, after I graduated from IIN, I decided to shift my practice into life coaching. So I was working full time and I was coaching part time and um, supporting women with purpose and with life and a lot of spirituality because I was understanding spirituality for the first time. And that was a big deal for me. And how do I support women around that? It, It just became this brilliant journey. But really, I mean, my binge eating didn't go away. Um, and it never will go away. And I think we all understand that. Um, it's just it's a different relationship with it. And so now, seven years later, I can say, you know, it is through everything that I've learned that my relationship with binge eating is where it is now. And we can talk about that a little later on. But it is also because of my binge eating that was the portal for me to enter coaching. And now I really work with women who want to activate leadership in their lives, women who are ready for something bigger. They're ready to um, really step into their power and develop a sense of worth and greatness so that they feel the confidence to put themselves and their work and their brilliance out into the world. And none of this would have happened if it weren't for binge eating. So how can I say you know, binge eating was something that happened so wrong and so bad and I'm so flawed for having this when it was actually such a gift?
0: So let's talk back again about the the binge eating side because I can relate to you a lot with the whole you know this isn't a curse this happened for a beautiful reason and it brought to you it brought to you something incredible like your whole life now is because of what you went through so it's such a beautiful thing that you had gone through but I know a lot of people right now do not feel that way like, they're hearing us probably being like, you're crazy because I'm suffering from binge eating or orthorexia or anorexia, and it is not a blessing at all. How do you, how would you recommend that they, um, what kind of mentality they should adopt in that point where they are? Say they're still in the throes of some kind of disordered eating, how do you trust that something good can come out of it without feeling like you have to
1: feel shame for what you're going through, if that, if that makes sense to you? Yeah, it does. You know, it's a, it's a process. It's not there's not one answer that's going to suddenly make our relationship with our darkness. I call it our darkness, our addictions, our anxieties. There's not one answer that's just going to make it all go away. I think if there was, right, we would none of us would have addictions. None of us would have these elements of darkness within us. I think really it's about integration. It's about understanding that a sense of wholeness, a sense of uh purity and unity and and perfection comes when we can embrace all of who we are, not just the good parts. And that's really, really hard because we've never really been taught unconditional love. When we were growing up, Our parents loved us when we were good, when we did good things, but when we did bad things or naughty things, they probably still loved us, but they would punish us. And for our limited mentality when we were children, if you're punishing me, you're not loving me. And I still feel like that's the case. If we get into a a heated argument with someone, it's not like we're thinking in the back of our heads, oh, but they still love me, right? We immediately go to they don't like me, I'm wrong, I'm bad because that's how we felt when we were little. Not having love from our parents was detrimental. We would do anything to get love from our parents, which is why we've developed so many habits and neuroses that we've developed now and defense mechanisms, is because we really try to do anything possible to be in love, to have love from our parents. So we grew up not understanding unconditional love. And now we're saying to ourselves, all right, well, now I need to ex- practice unconditional love to myself. And that's very hard because we don't know what that even looks like. So for me, what helped, what helped the process is to just be aware just to develop a sense of awareness that there is a lack of love there. Instead of trying to just put the band-aid of um, self-love on our wound, it's important that we just even look at the wound, just acknowledge that it's there. It took me four years to acknowledge I had a binge eating issue. I I kept thinking it was just gonna one day go away, that tomorrow will be another day and it will never happen again. Took four years for me to realize that, wait a minute, it's not just gonna go away. And now I actually have to look at it. And once I started looking at it and seeing it and realizing when my urges came up to eat, how did it feel in my body? Once I just started to develop that awareness, things started to shift slowly, but surely it started to shift. And it just starts by being able to fiercely look at what we're doing. And that's that's really beautiful. And it can be very challenging when we're so scared of what's happening. And that's why, you know, I continue to encourage people to get support, right, to look for individuals who have already gone through that journey and ask them for help, because we're not meant to do this alone, especially as women. And so when we reach out to people who already have the experience and can support us and guide us, they know what to look out for and they can help us save a lot of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for you, those
0: moments where the urge to binge, you know, crept up, can you tell us kind of what those looked like, what you were feeling like
1: when those happened? Oh yes, I'm very well aware of how it feels. Right, it begins with that that sense of shakiness in the hands, and it immediately goes into a thought: I could really go for that chocolate chip cookie, and of course, my the thought is. Um, always geared around something that is very chocolatey <laughs> very sweet and is ac- is accessible so whatever it is it just comes up to my head ah oh, I want a chocolate chip cookie I really want a chocolate chip cookie it would taste so good and I start getting shaky my stomach starts to turn in this like excitement this like anxious excitement butterfly like oh my gosh I really want a chocolate chip cookie I really want a chocolate chip cookie And for a long time, once I had the urge for something, I couldn't stop it. Even in the middle of my binge, like even as I was forcing myself to eat this food, there was a part of my mind that said, Thais, you don't have to do this. You don't have to binge. It would be ignored and I would not stop. I would not be able to stop halfway through a binge. So, what I did was, well, if I can't stop myself halfway through a binge, I have to be able to start to notice before the binge and see if I can stop myself before it even happens. And then, once it happens, develop the sense of compassion like, okay, well, I'm here. I'm gonna enjoy this. I'm gonna eat this. I'm gonna not punish myself afterwards for this. I'm just gonna let this happen. And next time, I'll just see again if I can practice stopping before it happens.
0: Mm, okay. And and whenever that happened, like you, the shaky hand started to occur, what was what was the underlying feeling? Like insecurity or fear of the, the unknown? Something like yeah. that?
1: Mm-hmm. So usually my binge would happen because there was an emotion that was coming up for me that I did not know how to handle. Mm-hmm. Usually it is uncertainty or insecurity, exactly what you said. Sometimes it was this sense of, I don't know what to do. I'm fearful. I'm afraid. And it's. I didn't know how to handle those emotions. But I do know how to handle self-hate. I do know how to handle the cycle of shame and guilt and self-hate. That I know how to deal with very well. So instead of handling or sitting with these really uncomfortable feelings of insecurity... I would prefer to feel shame. And what's amazing, Maddie, is you know this, right? It's not always so conscious. It's not always like, huh, I am feeling insecure right now, but I can't deal with this feeling of insecurity, so I'm going to binge, right? (laughs) It's not always so overt and that's why it can be so challenging uh, for us to walk ourselves through it. And that's why developing that spaciousness and that self-awareness is key. So every time now that I experience that sense of, oh, I could really go for a cookie, and I notice, hmm, am I hungry? That's always the question to ask. Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? And if I'm not hungry or thirsty, but I really still want that chocolate thing, I ask myself, what am I really feeling right now? What's really happening in my body? How am I feeling? What feeling am I avoiding? And sometimes I can stop myself from, from going after a chocolate chip cookie just by doing that, by breathing and seeing what's going on. And sometimes I can't. But what I've noticed is by just developing more and more space, now when I go get a chocolate chip cookie, I can have just half a cookie. And I can actually really enjoy that cookie, right? I'm not doing it from a place of a binge, a place of uncontrollable urge. I can do it and really enjoy the cookie and really enjoy the process and then afterwards not feel guilty about it.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, it's a whole mindfulness process. Whenever I, so I'm, I'm assuming you know a bit about my past, but I had mostly orthorexia. Mm. I mean, I had spurts of other things too. Whenever I was in high school, I would just like not eat for way too long periods of a time. Um, but for me, it was like. It, it was almost like I had this secret and it was like mm. I was walking around with this secret and it gave me something to obsess over. Like, I've got this secret that y'all don't know. Like, that was more with the uh, starvation. It, like, that was more for that. With orthorexia, it was just obsession and fear of the unknown and uncertainty. But I always kind of felt like I was higher than other people because I had this, like, very strict mentality towards food and i was very disciplined and i should be praised for these things but it all came down to fear it was just like i fear that i'm not enough i fear that my body isn't as um perfect as it should be i lived by shoulds like i should Mm -hmm. be better than that i should be better than the average joe like i need to have my body look a certain way be out of shoulds right so it all stemmed from this fear now your relationship with food today, you said that you know the binging relationship. It's it's still kind of uh, you know wavering today. You you have a different relationship with with it, but it's still not something that you have completely 100% recovered from. Which I understand if I if I understand you correctly, I get that. Like you have it to where you're not binging, but it's still like that feeling of like those spurts of the shaky hands when it come up.
1: You just know how to handle it differently, right? Yeah, I don't know if some of these things ever really go mm-hmm. away. I mean, you know, I, I kind of equate it with alco- uh, an alcohol addiction where I just feel like Because of our societal, the way we in society love drinking and parties, I can't imagine that the alcoholic ever goes to a party or ever goes out to a gathering or ever has those moments when they're alone and they don't think, hmm, I could really go for a glass of wine right now. I don't know. I mean, this may be presumptuous of me. But I just, from what my experience, it's not that it ever goes away. It's simply that we change our relationship to it. Now, for example, whenever I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I'm feeling so fat today. Before, I would really punish myself like, wow, I am fat. I am a fat individual. I need to like not eat today because I am a fat individual. Instead of that, I go, huh, I wonder, my weight hasn't changed from yesterday to today. And yesterday, I didn't think I was fat which means it's not really about being fat. Tell me, Thais, <laughs> what is going on? What is the real feeling here? What's really coming up for you? So, you know, it's it's not that I actually even want binging in terms of the desire to 100% go away because for me, it's just my body's way of telling me that I'm not grounded. It's like a little alert symbol. And so I don't know when's the last time I actually had a real binge. I feel like it's been over two years since I've had a binge binge. Um, and it's, I think, all because I just now look at those signals as, huh, there's something deeper within me that wants to be explored as opposed to, huh, I need to binge. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And the other side of the coin that I want to add to that is challenging your beliefs of fat. So first of all, there is the feeling of, oh, I feel fat today. And it's like negative. And it really means I feel insecure today. So you work on your insecurity, you work on diving deeper into that, like why do you feel insecure? Why do you feel less than today? What's the real emotion going on? And the second thing that I often work with my clients is challenging what in the world is wrong with fat? Like why in the world do we say, I feel fat? We don't say I feel like you you can't say fat because fat is not a feeling. It doesn't make any sense, but we use this term People say it every single day, like it's this terrible, awful thing, but that's not fair at all to people who are fat or or large or plus size. And that's us saying, I feel insecure like all those fat people, which is so wrong because all fat people do not feel insecure. And that's another belief that I try to challenge people. This is something that I was taught too, is like, following more plus sized people on social media, following amazing entrepreneur women that have a few pounds on them that are doing awesome things in this world and realizing, wow, they're doing so many incredible things. They're confident. They're alive. They're, they have a beautiful purpose in this world and really, Focusing in on the purpose behind the body because we all have a purpose behind our body, regardless of what we look like, regardless of our shape and size. We're doing something incredible in this world. And if we keep going around, like creating this camaraderie around why fat is terrible, then of course we're all going to fear fat and we're all going to be obsessed about our weight every single morning when we wake up, wondering if we're going to feel fat, aka feel insecure. And that's something that's helped me tremendously is just challenging that social norm that fat isn't good like I, most people are not on board with this and that's totally fine but for the people that are I think it's brought a lot of liberation and a lot of joy
1: and a lot more compassion for other people that have different body shapes beautiful I love that and you know for me I know that when I say I am fat it's, it has nothing to do with how much I weigh and it has everything to do with my self-love and my perception of mm-hmm. myself uh, and so I use you know, the word fat, because, of course, there was a societal expectation for us to look good. But I think more more so than that, I think um, we've all been programmed in many ways to feel, to have control over our lives. And that, you know, women who are overweight are, have do not have control over their lives, right? right? They can't control mm-hmm. themselves. And that women who are skinny have this sense of control. And control is seen as very powerful in our society. Luckily, this conversation is shifting. And luckily, you know, we're starting to see that there is no right size, that all sizes are beautiful, all sizes are perfect, and that we always have an opportunity to love ourselves more and to love the body that we came here more and exactly what you said, Maddie, we are not our bodies. We're simply not. Our body is a vessel for our beautiful soul, our beautiful mind, our brilliant purpose. We have to love our body and take care of it because the minute we get sick, we feel that, right? Right. Being sick and being and not being able to move and feeling uncomfortable in our bodies stops us from putting our work in the world and feeling good about our work. And how we do anything is how we do everything. If we feel yucky in our body, where else are we feeling yucky? We're probably not even feeling worthy to put our work out there because we're not feeling worthy to even be in this body. So the body gives us a great vessel to play with and work with. And we're so much more from more than that. And so whenever I notice, huh, I'm fat, what's really going on is that my neuropathway, my brain has, has this, six-lane highway that's very comfortable with the conversation of I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm you know not good enough. It's the same language. I say I'm fat, but really that's what I'm meaning. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm um, out of control, whatever, etc. And that's like a six-lane highway in most of our brains because we've been thinking these exact same thoughts since we probably had an awareness of our body. And so now we're trying to change this six-lane highway, this very accustomed beautiful. Like there's trees in this highway. I mean, it's just this beautiful highway. We're trying to change that into a dirt path. And we're trying to create a new highway in our brain, which is I am beautiful. I am magnificent. I am worthy of this and more. And every day, it's a challenge of converting this six lane highway into a path and converting that path into a six lane highway. And it takes conscious effort and takes conscious work. So when we go unconscious, our brain automatically goes towards what's easy. Mm. And so that's, again, it's developing that self-awareness. Every time your mind goes to what's easy, goes back to that really well-paved highway of I'm unworthy, I'm insignificant, who the hell am I to do any work? To notice, huh, these are the same thoughts that I have every time I, I look in the mirror or every time I feel uncomfortable or the day before a big event. Huh, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. And... Can I compassionately say, you know what, I'm not going to believe those thoughts anymore because it's just my neural pathways, right? It's not personal. It's not me. It's not like my thoughts are me. I'm more than that. And can I now change my thoughts to what's really true, which is that I am love. I am lovable. I can love and I can certainly love myself. That was so beautiful.
0: I love the highway metaphor. Like I was visioning that in my mind. I'm like, Picturing this beautiful road with like all these trees around just like willows and oh my gosh, I love that. (laughs) So I have another question for you, something that I was very curious about. You told me, you know, before we were emailing this that um, leadership is vital for all women. And my question for you is, do you think all women
1: are born leaders? Yes, 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 yes. And I think that this is the major disruption that I want to see on this planet We have this idea that some people are born to lead and some people are born to follow. But my question for you is, if you're not leading your life, if you're not creating the life you want, if you're not leading it and taking charge of it and doing with it what is creatively yours to do on this planet, somebody Mm else's. And so the the question comes, do, do you want somebody else to be leading your life? And most often, that's what's happening. And by other people, I mean societal expectation, parental expectation, expectations that we've developed from childhood, all these external forces telling us that this is how we should be running our lives. And if we go live by default, if we live by these expectations, we're really doing a disservice to ourselves and a disservice to our purpose. Because I truly believe that we are all here to fulfill a purpose. We're all here to heal, to love, and to lead our lives in a powerful way because everything we say, everything we do teaches other people what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about the world. We are all teach we are excuse me, we're all teachers. Which means if we are not teaching consciously, we're teaching unconsciously. So we're all leaders, whether we know it or acknowledge it or not. But the power of acknowledging it is then we get to choose what we want to do. We get to choose what we're teaching. We get to choose how we lead our lives. And there's nothing more powerful than a woman choosing to lead her life in a powerful, feminine, amazing way. And we've seen these women leaders. We've seen what it feels like to be around them. Look at Oprah. Look at what she's created for herself. Whether we like her TV shows or not, she's really stepped into her full embodied sense of being. And I feel like we can all do that. Maybe we don't all have a desire to have our own TV but we a TV show, but we all have a desire to do something brilliant. And it's a huge disservice to the world if we don't engage with that. And what are your thoughts on
0: people that can't find that? They don't know how to step into their power. They don't know what direction to go in. It's someone who's just been living their whole life doing what other people tell them to do, like their parents. You can't do this. You can't be that. Like, it's so it's so interesting how when we're young, we're constantly being told, you can be anything you want. You can be anything you want. What do you want to be? I want to be a dancer. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a dentist. I want to go to the moon. And then as we get older, when we approach college, it's realistically, our parents say, no, you can't do that. Nope, too late. Nope, can't do that. No, you have to go to this school. Nope, stop talking like that. Like you, they just shove you into a box. And so then you go to school, you go to college, you are forced to get this very dull job that you can't stand, but you have to do it because you have bills to pay. You gotta pay off your college uh, loans. Like you have to, you feel like you have to follow this set path before you because you're lucky you even have this path but you're not happy with it what do you say to that person
1: oh that's a brilliant question so let me back up there are plenty of people who find complete fulfillment in their corporate job and to those people they're already living their purpose right they're already engaging in life and I don't think that purpose is let's say a job I don't think that purpose is necessarily like a a a plateau. I feel like purpose is a ever evolving metric of am I happy? Am I happy here? And in many ways, happiness is a choice that we can choose to engage in at any moment by understanding that we are inherently choosing our circumstance and that we can always choose something different and that we can choose to see it in a different way. So happiness, if we can see happiness as always a choice and we're leading a life where we're feeling unfulfilled, Because we're not one of those lucky individuals who have found their job that they love to do. We're in a job that we don't like. The question then is, can I, uh, let me back up. I think the best way, the best way to go about it is to ask yourself, what do I want? What do I want? And really get clear with what you truly want and your desires. And this is actually a lot of work that I do with my women because we don't even really know what we want. It's actually really fascinating. We know what we want and we don't know what we want because we have so many ideas and opinions about whether or not we are worthy of what we want or whether or not we can have what we want or whether or not we um, even have an entitlement to wanting something. So getting really just start to ask the question in your life, What do I want? What do I want? At first you'll say, Oh well, I want a rich husband. Oh well, I want my student loans paid off. Oh well, I want, you know, a job that fulfills me. Okay, and what would that look like? What do I want? Well, I want a job where blah blah. And then we start just getting clear, right? So it's picking dropping everything off to live your purpose is not realistic for ninety nine percent of people. For 99% of people, we have bills. We have things we have to pay off. We have responsibilities. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you can't live a purposeful life because you don't want to quit your job. It's just an invitation for you to see that at any moment, any beautiful moment, you can be living your purpose. Whether you like it in that job or not, you're still teaching people. You're still teaching people to love. And that's why we're all inherently light workers. We're always working with the light. We're always teaching others and so when we step into that, step into that understanding, we start to gain power. And when we start asking ourselves, what do I want? And getting clarity with our desires, then we start gaining direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I know, like, whenever I started to serve the world, that's when my real healing began. Before that, sure, I was trying. I was, I was making progress, But the minute that I started coaching other women and this podcast and creating programs, that's when I found myself focusing on other people. How can I serve this person? That's what I realized is what I really wanted. And you may like this. I went to this retreat recently and uh, one of the like the main quote that we always repeated at this retreat is you don't get what you want. You get what you are. So if you haven't heard that before, I feel like you would, you know, you already kind of live by that, but you don't just get whatever you want you have to become it. You have to embody it. You have to embrace it. So if you want more love in your life, how are you showing up in the world as love? If you want more wealth, how are you showing up as wealth in all areas of your life? How are you being abundant? How are you being abundant in your service? How are you being abundant in the love you give others? How are you being abundant in the activities you do that you enjoy? Are you limiting yourself by enjoying only a few things here and there because you've got a crazy busy family, so you feel like there's no time for you? Well, it's no wonder that you're not feeling abundant in your life because you're not becoming abundance.
1: Yeah, this is so beautiful, such a beautiful conversation. And I feel like so many... Women, I talk women because I work with women, but women and men aren't quite at that point of understanding yet. And I think it's because we're so unaware of how much power we hold at any given time. I think a lot of us really believe that circumstances dictate who we are and what we can do. And I think the biggest shift is when we can go from, I'm stuck in this circumstance and this is just what it is and it's blah, blah's fault and it's my parents' fault and it's their fault and it's my fault and I'm just stuck here and this is just what I got to do. Going from that to, huh, what if I chose this? What if I could do something about this? And what if this moment is meant to serve me in a bigger way than I even knew possible? How would I look at this differently? How may I act in this differently? And it's it's a lot easier, of course. We know this. It's a lot easier said than done. And I know that especially when things get hard, when we're in financial situations where we feel really strapped, when we feel really tight about a relationship when we have no idea how to end it, we get very Tight, right? And scared and small, and we feel very um, lack of control. And I think that's completely normal. And then it's just about well, what can I do with what I have and where I am to feel a little more happy? to feel a little bit more like I can actually control this, like I can actually feel good about this. What can I do with what I have and where I am to feel like maybe money isn't the whole thing, to feel that maybe I am truly safe in this world? And when we start taking the little actions, we start to shift the way our mind works. It's the action and the experience that changes the neural pathways, more so than affirmations and thinking positive thoughts. We can manipulate our brain as much as we want. That highway is still a highway until you take action against it. It is through action that we become embodied with the knowledge that we want. And that's how we go from, I should do this, to I am this. That's how we go from, I want this, to I am this hmm.
0: Right. And on this retreat that I went to, I was so so I went to the retreat thinking that I was going to figure out how to create more wealth in my life. Like that was my main goal. I was like, OK, I'm going to have this many coaching clients. My business will be booming. I want I want I want I want. Right. And by the time I left. I felt like I had such a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. It no longer became about like my business. It was about my life and about me as a person. And I adopted the mindset of relax, like chill out. What I really needed was to stop pushing myself so hard, to stop stressing so much about creating this business right now, today, in this moment, and like making it boom and and I realized that I never take the moment to appreciate how far I've come. I've come so far like for my age and and for what I'm trying to do in this world I I don't ever sit and appreciate it. So I'm real. I realized that I lack an appreciation for myself, like big time. I'd never really take the time to say, relax. Like you don't have to have to have to, you don't have to do and do and do. You can just be and chill and relax. And by being and chill, chilling and relaxing, then you'll get you'll become what you want. You won't just get what you want, but you'll become what you want. And what I really want is a more relaxed life because I'm the kind of person that is all or nothing, 100%, like anal, because that's, you know, that's kind of obvious why orthorexia was my, thing of choice because it's all about being anal and obsessive and controlling and so when i realized that in my life i am just the same way with everything i'm the same way with my job like this job that i've created for myself what's the point of being your own boss if you're gonna put all this pressure on yourself right Mm. so i realized just relax like you don't have to do everything in fact you don't have to do anything whatever the next step is it'll come to you you'll realize But don't freak out and make a whole bunch of to-do lists and try to get them all done one day. Just tackle something at a time and don't feel like it all has to be perfect. And that I realized in like a two-day retreat, which was amazing. And I left feeling just so much better. Like I was like, I don't care like what happens to my business right now. All I'm doing is living in the day, in this moment, enjoying my time, being alive. And it was so freeing. To realize that it was so freeing, I just didn't feel like I had to do, 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 which is still carrying with me today. Loving, I'm just loving the fact that I can just, you know, be and whatever happens, happens for a reason. And, and it, more times than not, it happens for
1: me. Mm, yes, it's so true. And, you know, one of the things that I feel we have a challenging time with is this idea that our worth is very much tied into what we do. And again, this is a lot to a lot to do with how our society has manifested up to this point where we really feel like you are a good member of society when you have produced good things, when you have done good things, which is why, especially in America, you know, we really introduce ourselves with, hi, what's your name? What do you do, right? That's like the very second question that we ask people. What do you do? Because to us, that's very important that you are doing something and it is something that is good to the world. And so, because that's the case, We do that to ourselves, where if we are not doing enough, which at what point will it ever be enough, honestly, right? But if we keep doing enough, then maybe life will love us maybe we will love ourselves. Maybe others will love us if we just do enough. And so it creates a lot of stress, creates a lot of anxiety because then we're very tied up in the results. I mean, if you plant a garden, what are you expecting? You are expecting the the garden to grow or else you wouldn't plant the garden, right? And that makes sense. There's nothing wrong with expectation there. You expect the garden to grow. But... If you are tied, your whole sense of self around how the garden grows and what it looks like, then that's very dangerous because that's completely outside of your control. And so then we develop the sense of self, which is I am my garden. Who I am is my garden. I am a lawyer. What does that mean? It means I do this. And this is how I define myself. And that will never be enough. We will never have a good enough garden compared to our neighbor's garden. Did you see her garden? Like her garden was, you know, and we just go into this whole frenzy. And so that's a beautiful shift that you found, Maddie. And I think it's a shift that we all need to eventually come to is what if we're more than our bodies? What if we are more than what we do? It does not mean now that we get to just sit in the cave and not do anything because we won't find fulfillment in that. It just means that we let go of this the tentacles around having our garden, our results look a certain way in order for us to feel worthy about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when we can start to be like, you know what, I'm good enough, I'm choosing to be good enough because I am here. I'm on this planet, and I wouldn't be on this planet if it wasn't because I was inherently worthy of it. And when we can really tie our worthiness to just our sense of being, then the work that we do has more joy in it, because it's not attached to the outcome. It's attached to the process. It's attached to the to the journey. And then when the garden fruits, all the merrier. We can feed the family. We can feed our neighbors. And if it doesn't fruit, it's okay. It's not about us. It's just what is. And then we can fix it. We can nurture it more. We can do what needs to be done so that eventually it does bloom, but it's not tied to who we are.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. That was so beautiful. You have some of the best, like, diction that I've ever heard. (laughs) You use the greatest (laughs) words, like, tentacles. And the fruits I'm just like I have to rewind this podcast and listen to it and just try to like write down some words I should start using you're so funny so I'm curious about your life today like you're just someone that really intrigues me so can you tell me about what
1: does a day in the life look like for you well, uh, it's, every, it's different every day. I think that's one of the joys of being an entrepreneur, right? Every day is a different day. Uh, I have my coaching clients that I love and I uh, see them twice a week. I see them on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Skype uh, or phone. And then I get to really play with the other days of the week and, and create some really amazing things. I love writing. I love reading. I love having my own morning practice. I really commit to waking up every day and sitting in front of my altar. And I'm a chanting. I love chanting. I I do a lot of chants. So I chant the Hanuman Chalisa, which is this beautiful 40 verse poem in Sanskrit that I've almost fully memorized. And it's just so beautiful. And I really love to do that every morning and um, sometimes I meditate and sometimes I don't. Lately, my practice has been, can I not feel unworthy and bad and wrong because I don't meditate every day? For us spiritual uh, junkies, the for us that love the idea of spirituality, we often, again, attach our sense of worth to how spiritual we are, which is just so ironic. And it's because our ego loves to attach ourselves to whatever is going to make it look the best. So that's spirituality. Our ego is there, too, reminding us, oh, you're not a spiritual person because you didn't meditate this morning. Uh, and so that's been my practice is how can I let that go and just really enjoy whatever my morning practice looks like, whether that's meditation or journaling. Uh, let's see. I also um, I am an owner, a founder of a small company called Amplify. And I am a founder along with my good friend, Brie. And what we do is we do a monthly dinner party here in Los Angeles. And we are really disrupting the way women network. So we create gatherings and dinner parties and just opportunities for women entrepreneurs to come together from a place of who they are rather than what they do. So one of the premise of our dinner parties is that you don't talk about work and you don't talk about what you do. And that really invites women to be more vulnerable about their life and to really share from a deeper place. And then if you feel connected and you want to get to know that person more and you want to hire them and work with them, then that's awesome. That's your prerogative. But we're creating a networking circle, an an event where you get to go in without this having to build yourself up into this amazing person that's, you know... Won many awards because oftentimes that's just a a shield. That's just a defense to really being vulnerable. So I do that. I do that uh, once a month. And oh gosh, what else is in my life? I live with my significant other, Mark. And so he's also an entrepreneur, which is fun because you get to work from home together most days and do dance parties in the middle (laughs) of the day. And um, it's also fun because I get to really enjoy being in partnership and, and. And Maddie, I'm sure you enjoyed this. What does it look like? to disconnect from work and actually be with your partner or be in life without thinking about work. And that's also because I took this transition. I've been coaching for about four years, but I finally quit my full-time job to go into coaching this past year. That's been one of the biggest pleasures I've had to learn is when is enough is enough. When do I disconnect? Because there's never the sense of I did enough. It goes all back to that sense of worth. So how can I close my computer and not be on my phone and really be present in my life and with my partner um, and worry about my business or think about it the next day when it's back to business hours.
0: Oh, yes. I completely understand. And I actually live with my significant other and he also works remotely. So he works from home so awesome. I know how that is. Yeah, it, It's good, and it's not so great, because it can be, like, so much time we spend together, so it is yep. nice to be able to, we take turns, like, okay, today I'm going to the coffee shop, or today you're going to the coffee shop, and, but we always come back for lunch together, and then, you know, have that time where we can both unwind and talk about, you know, what we've gone through in the morning, and it is, it is such a really great thing to be able to both share that, and he, he started a company as well. He doesn't work there anymore, but he's had that entrepreneur spirit within him as well so that's pretty cool to be able to bounce new ideas off each other and get excited about new ventures mm, I love it so before we head on over to our quick fire round
1: where can people find you yes so you can go to my website it's coach and it's thais like thailand without the land and add an s so it's t-h-a-i-s coach com. and actually I am um uh, I have a an, uh, beautiful gift for people who sign up on my website. It's a power of meditation for your morning practice in a way that will make you feel really, really effective and productive and just energized in your day. And it's a beautiful lead meditation. So that's available only um, for a little while now. So if you guys want to check that out, you're welcome to do that uh, and let me think what else. Yeah, my website's the best way to go, although I also am really obsessed with Instagram. So you can <laughs> find me there too. And that's just Instagram.com forward slash coach
0: Awesome. Are you ready for the quick fire round? Born ready. All right, cool. Number one. What does body freedom mean to you? It means
1: not worrying about your body. Awesome.
0: That's great. <laughs> Seriously, that's great. Um, what is a current book that you're reading or just a book that you love?
1: I just finished Big Magic with Elizabeth Gilbert. I think everyone and their mother is reading Big Magic. And it was – oh, my, it's worth the hype. It was a beautiful read. Yeah, Oh, my gosh. Just I haven't beautiful. read it
0: yet, but I, it's been on my list. So I'm excited to get to it.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Who's one of your biggest inspirations, Dead or Alive? Uh, Gandhi, uh, for, for sure. He, I have his uh, Be the Change tattooed on my foot. I just think that the sense that he just embodied – Such a beautiful presence. And just through that embodiment, just through that presence, he changed the world. It just touches my heart. And, you know, one of the things that I really hope to develop in my lifetime is this sense of presence because I'm not going to be able to talk to all seven or probably at that point eight billion people on this planet, right? Like, what are the odds that we can reach every individual? We can't. But if we have a deep enough presence, then we can shift the world. And uh, he just is such a beautiful illustration of what you can do when you really Really put your mind into what's truly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What would your last meal be? What did I
1: have last night? Oh, jeez.
0: No, I mean, like, if you were going to have a last meal, like…
1: Oh, 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 my <laughs> gosh. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Probably a traditional Brazilian meal. So I grew up in Brazil. I moved to the U.S. when I was seven, and I still – just there's such a comfort food to have the way the Brazilians cook their rice and their beans and um, sausage and this thing called farofa, which is this – oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, and um, they make the – oh, gosh, what's the vegetable? It's this green leafy vegetable, and they just cook it in such a delicious way. Yes, I would have Brazilian food.
0: Mm, That sounds amazing. I've actually never had a Brazilian food
1: Oh, Maddie, you need to, You need to do it. I know. Please. We have
0: some place nearby. I just haven't gone yet. But now that I've heard that from you, I will be going there. It's worth it. Uh, let's see. What is a
1: future dream that you're working towards? Uh, I want to write a book. And I'm really excited at writing this book and it's been on my mind for the past five years and I know it will be burst into the world when it's ready, but I'm just so excited for when it does.
0: Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. What's your favorite way to unwind at the end of a long day?
1: Uh, it depends. Sometimes I like to take a walk. Sometimes I like to go to a yoga class Sometimes I like to just turn off all my technologies and read a book in my little corner or journal. Um, And then I would also say I love coloring. It's one of my newest hobbies that is just so enjoyable just to spend time coloring. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, just having a really nice meal with my significant other.
0: Yeah, I love coloring too. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What is a country that you have visited
1: and you would recommend it to everyone or a country that you just really want to visit? So one of my, when I lived in Europe, I lived there for about half a year. One of my favorite countries to visit was Spain. I went to Madrid. I went to um, Sevilla. And it's just beautiful. And not a lot of people talk about Spain, but I highly recommend it, especially Seville. It's like it's um right south of Madrid, but it's still in the middle of the country, so it's not by the sea, but it feels like this exotic location like you expect an elephant to just walk by. <laughs> uh it's really beautiful and it's a it's an amazing culture, belly dancing and the food and I definitely recommend Spain.
0: Last but not least, what was your biggest failure? And I use that with quotation marks because every failure, you know, is meant for a reason. But what was your biggest failure, and what did you learn from it?
1: Oh man, I would say one of my biggest failures. Well, I would I would call it more of a hmm, more of a shortcoming because I don't think it. I think this. So one one of the things that I have done in my past is I. um was a really reactionary individual. So I react with circumstance. And I think we all do this in some level. We react very quickly to circumstances. And I think on multiple occasions in my past, reacting so quickly to a situation led to the the situation becoming even worse than it is. And then we kind of see it on TV, right? Um, one of my favorite shows is um, The Affair. And it's so good. It's so yummy. And, you know, sometimes I want to yell at the TV, wait, before you like take action on this information, why don't you run it by the person that the information is about? And then they don't. And then it leads to this whole mess. And it's always this lack of communication and the sense of reacting to circumstance without pausing and, and asking yourself, do I want to be acting from this place? And so if we could all really develop the sense of mindfulness that, huh, there is a stimulus that just got presented to me, I do not now have to react immediately to it. I can take a moment, I can give myself space to feel what it feels in my body and to breathe. So then I can respond from a place of love and a place of power versus then a place of fear.
0: Oh, yeah, that's so beautiful. Well, that wraps up the quick fire round. Thank, you so, mu- yeah, you, <laughs> thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah, you passed with flying colors. Thank you so much, Thais, for coming on to the podcast. This was such a treat and I I really, really gained a lot from this, which happens a lot on this podcast, but I feel like this one particularly has a lot of insight for, you know, every woman and man that listens to this show. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Maddie, for creating such a beautiful
1: space. Of course.
0: So everyone go to the show notes for this podcast to read all about it and get the links to Tays website. You can do that by going to madimoon.com slash MBM80 because this is episode number 80. And while you're there, you can download my free book, 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsession. And thanks all for listening. We'll see you next time.